Hey, we believe in kids' ministry and investing in their lives right now. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to say a, a big thank you to uh, everybody and especially those of you who prayed. And uh, as I was gone last Sunday, uh, I know most of you know by now, but I, 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 had, I attended a funeral, actually, uh, uh, of one of my cousins. And I did the service, at least part of the service, with another with another minister uh, on Sunday morning, just right around the same time uh, as we were having service there. So thank you for your prayers. Uh, I really appreciate that. Anyway, question, how many of you have ordered things online before? Most of us have, yeah, right? And anyway, true story, I ordered something for, for Heather for Christmas. And I, I ordered it around Thanksgiving, you know, the week before uh, you know, when they have the sales and everything else. So I ordered it, and it said five business days. Yeah, and that's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, Christmas was for a little while longer, and I was confident. I, know, I was hoping that, it, that they'd all be home for Christmas, you know. Anyway, so I ordered it, and it came on that day. They said it's going to come between one and three and whatever. Uh, and when the package came, I found that the box was open. I mean, it was delivered. The box was open, and the parts were actually on top of the box. Some of the parts, and you know, they're kind of lying loose there. And of course, I I, I had to return it, and uh, I returned it, and they said, "Okay, we'll take it back. It may take a little longer till we process the whole thing, take it back, and it may take another week for you to come back." And uh, this was November. Remember this? I got this. This was probably the first uh, week of uh, December now, and it never came, and it never came. Thankfully, they weren't back at Christmas time, and so it didn't really matter. And, but, all, and then I called them. What happened? They said, oh, we forgot about it. And I was like, how can you forget about it? You took my money. But they forgot about it conveniently. And uh, it was frustrating a little. How many of you would get frustrated with something like that? You know, you wait and you wait and you wait. And, you know, they say they're going to do it, but they don't do it. But I just realized we've got to be thankful and grateful for a God who always delivers on his promise and never disappoints us. He doesn't promise us something and give us something else. doesn't promise us one thing and then when you show up, he gives us something else. Now that's not the kind of God we worship. And he doesn't, first of all, he doesn't make a promise that he cannot keep. He doesn't make a promise <coughs> that he cannot keep. Because God always keeps his promise. God always keeps his promise. And I know as a parent, I... I I struggle with it sometimes, you know, because we promise the kids, hey, we'll do, uh, hey, we, I promise, let's go get something, okay, ice cream at the end of the day or something. You know, we'll go get ice cream today. But then life happens, you get busy, they're playing, we're doing something, you know, and then all of a sudden, it's 8 o'clock, we're getting ready for bed, and of course, Aiden never forgets anything. But you promised to take us for ice cream, and it's like 8.30 already, and they're supposed to be in bed at 8. And then what do we do, you know? Hey, you know what? I'll make it up to you next time. Thank God he's not like that. <laughs> he knows when we need it and when we need it the most too. But thank God that he will always deliver on a promise that he makes. He will always fulfill a promise that he makes. And this morning I want to talk about a, a biblical pattern that we find quite often in scripture which, which is related to this whole topic. Of God fulfilling his promise. This whole topic of promises. Because one thing you see uh, that you find quite often 
in, in, when it concerns the promises in God, you find this in the Bible that a lot of times the promises are conditional on our obedience. A lot of times the promises are conditional on our obedience. God's not going to do what he's going to do if you don't obey. That is there. I mean, I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is all God. We can't do anything to earn salvation. But there are things. The fulfillment of the promise depends on, God, on our obedience. And of course, God is so gracious and so loving and so everything else. He gives it to us too when we, we mess up too. He still delivers, right? And there's another pattern that you see that often... Again, with the promises, there's, there's almost always the spirit of waiting from when the promise is given to its fulfillment. Almost, almost always, there's this time of waiting that we all have to go through. From when the promise is given to when we see it being fulfilled. And I know we hate waiting, but if you look at Abraham, Abraham had to wait almost 25 years. From the promise, from the promise to it being fulfilled. Moses had to wait almost 80 years, right? Before he was really leading the people out of Egypt. He was born with that promise that he's going to be the deliverer of Egypt. But he had to wait almost 80 years. Israelites waited. God promised them the, for, of the, the promised land as such. But they had to wait how long? 40 years. Yes, not all of them were disobedient. Not all of them were unfaithful. They were faithful people there too in that crowd. We know Josh and Caleb are two of them, right? But they had to wait 40 years too. From the promise to the fulfillment. We talked about David 15 years almost. I mean, again, all these are scholarly guesses. From when God gave him and anointed him to be king to when he finally became king. And of course, Joseph in between there. Joseph had to wait 13 to 15 years before when God gave him that dream and that promise to when it was fulfilled. And the last time I know we, I, I spoke about David and we looked at it and how he had to go back to watching sheep after he had been anointed in this amazing ceremony where he's anointed to be king of all Israel. He had to go back to doing what he had been doing all this time. There was and there always will be the spirit of waiting and that's what I want to talk about a little more and especially looking at Joseph's life a little more. Looked at David, but now I want to look at Joseph's life because it took around 13 years for that promise, that dream to be fulfilled. I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 37 and we're going to read a few verses in there. But one thing I need you to understand is a promise of God is, it's not something that you can fulfill on your own. You can't make it happen. Something, I mean, like I said, sometimes, or very often, you've got to do your part. And then, of course, God does his part. But when he does it, his part, he does it his way. In his time. And his time, of course, is always perfect. And we know the story of Joseph. And we see at the end and how amazingly he's blessed at the end of it all. When his dream is and the promise is fulfilled. And I just want to say this. And I say this because we need to remember. Because sometimes we get carried away. We can never manipulate God into getting stuff. We can never manipulate God into getting stuff. Please understand this. Faith is not a tool 
that we use to manipulate God into giving us what we want. That's not what faith has given us for. When God gives us a promise, he will come through in his time. Of course, like I said, you've got to do your part and hold on to that promise. Don't quit on that promise. And I've been thinking, like I said, about Joseph for these, what's been happening in his life. And I want to start with just share four truths. I know this, you can do more than this, but there are four truths that I want to show that I want to share this morning. Number one, the first one is when God gives a promise, there normally is always going to be a waiting period. Read with me Genesis 37, and we're going to read from verse uh, 5 through 10 and uh, keep going, because we see this promise that he has as a dream, basically. In verse 5, it says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me, around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse 9, then he had another dream. He told it to his brothers, listen. He said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, uh, told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Little, you already know from this idea here, it says in verse 5, his brothers hated him. All the more. That means they already hated him. They didn't like him. Why? Because, you know, he was, he's that one spoiled kid that you want to whoop sometimes. And that, that'll do the trick, you know, really. He's already spoiled rotten, if you want to say that. And now all of a sudden he has this dream about his parents and his siblings coming and bowing down before him. And that kind of pushes them over the edge now. They've been trying, I mean, and they decide basically to kill him because all he's been doing so far is doing no work but going around and talking bad about them to his dad. And now, of course, he's pushed the, a little too far when he says, you guys are going to come. I'm going to be the boss and you guys are going to come and bow before me. In verse 18, in uh, chapter 37, verse 18, it says... But they saw, this is Joseph going to see what his brothers are doing. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. They plotted against him to put him to death. His fate was essentially sealed even before he got to them. But they had to be persuaded by Reuben, who's the oldest kid, actually not to kill him. And so instead, what they do is they throw him into a pit or a well. But then when Reuben is not around, his brothers sell him into slavery. I mean, you talk about sibling rivalry. That kind of pushes it right to the, you know, to the top right there. The conflict in the family is like, it's crazy. But the truth is this dysfunction started way before. Started at the top with Jacob, the father himself. And uh, we know the part where Jacob deceived his own brother into getting the birthright. And then, of course, he had to run away for a while. 
Jacob, if you notice through the scriptures, he sometimes feel, you feel like he's so preoccupied with life itself that he pays no attention to the, the, the stuff that's happening in his own family. The only person he really cared about as such, the only son that he really cared about was Joseph. And it was painfully obvious to everybody around him because he gave him this fancy coat, right, with all these fancy colors on there. Simply, what did that stand for? That, hey, you don't have to work. You know, you're chosen. You're the chosen one. You don't have to really work there. And the brothers worked, and all Joseph did was talk about them and all the things that they did wrong to the, to his brother, uh, about his brothers to his dad. The tension is there. The conflict, the jealousy, the hatred, total, total dysfunctional family. And we look at it a little more. If you look at the background, Jacob had how many kids? Thirteen kids, technically. Twelve boys and one daughter. The daughter, Dinah... She was uh, basically raped by a local tribe. And what does Jacob do about it? Nothing. So Jacob doesn't do anything. So what do the brothers decide to do? They trick these people. The Hevites, I think is what it was. They trick them and end up killing all the men in that village just because of what one person did. They avenge him. We know about Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife. What happened? And she died in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin, the last son, basically. Reuben was the oldest. Reuben was the oldest, but he ends up going and sleeping with one of his father's wives and dishonors everything. But what does Jacob do? Nothing. Think about it. I mean, this family has deception, hatred, anger, rebellion, rivalry, jealousy, incest. You can keep going on and on and on. The whole, you can just simply say it was pretty pathetic life at home. And that's the background of Joseph right here. By the, time, by the time we come to Genesis chapter 37, the brothers are ready to get rid of him. And what would Jacob do? Probably nothing. He never did really anything, right? They're ready to get rid of him because his home life was pretty miserable. He had his dad's attention, but even that was going to go away pretty soon. He goes from being the favorite son. And soon enough, he becomes a slave in Egypt. Life goes from being, if you want to say, pretty okay to bad real fast for Joseph. It gets from bad to worse. Pretty fast for Joseph. Joseph is a slave in Egypt and he's kind of doing a little well. Life is getting a little easier in, in Egypt and he's minding his own business, taking care of Potiphar, his boss, his master's household, doing what he's told. And, you know, uh, he's, he's making the most of a bad situation as a slave. And then, of course, his boss's wife starts to fancy him, basically, but he refuses her advances. And because of that, she gets mad at him, accuses him of raping her, lies about it, basically. And then Joseph is thrown back into prison again. Just when things seem to be going better, he lands back into prison. Things go from bad to worse. And, and I'm almost sure... Most of us understand what it means when things go from bad to worse sometimes. I know most of us can relate to situations like that. Because I know there have been a couple of periods in my own life where things seemed crazy. And I was doing everything right. At least I thought I was doing everything right. But it really didn't matter because 
I mean, we were barely making it, and I got sick. My dad passed away, and there were like all these things happening, one after the other. People were getting mad at me for something I never even said. And I'm like, what did I say? You know, I didn't even say anything. And they accused me of saying something. I'm like, what is happening, God? I don't know about you, but have you ever looked straight up to God and said, God, just give me a break, please? I know I've done that because I got just, I was so frustrated. I know I've kind of hit a wall and I've, I just kind of yelled at God, God, give me a break. You know, and, and of course I was embarrassed. It's one of those things, as soon as the words leave your mouth, you're kind of like, oh, I wish I could get it back. You know, of course you get embarrassed. I was embarrassed about it because, but it's this downward spiral that we all go through from time to time. Many of us can relate, many people can relate to this. You're barely making it and then the air conditioning at home goes out in 100 degree weather. You know, you're having this trouble at work and then all of a sudden the kids get sick or the kids start acting up at home too. I mean, you just, like I said, finances are tight and then the car breaks down, but you need your car to go to work. You know, I mean, we all go through seasons at that, and it's at that time the devil comes and he just comes and starts talking to us, you know. Messing with us up now, reminding us of all the mistakes we made, reminding us about how terrible we really are, and trying to pitch how terrible God is, you know? Hey, you say you're a Christian and you believe in God and you're saved by grace, then why is all this happening to you? And he messes with our heads with those questions. You say you believe God's promises, then why are things going from bad to worse? You know this already, but please, if you haven't, let me remind you. Just because you say you are a Christian and you are saved by grace does not exempt you from the bad to worst moments in life. That's why I have a problem with preachers who always, the only thing they can talk about is God is going to bless you. God wants to prosper you. If you're a real Christian, you shouldn't be sick. Or if you have faith, you won't have any problems. And I have a problem with that kind of preaching. Because right from the beginning, I mean, think about it. Abraham had to walk around for a long time. Jacob had to run away before he learned his lesson. I mean, Moses, Joseph, you talk about most of the people in the Bible. David had to run from a crazy king who was out to kill him. The disciples, all of them died, were martyred except for John. Paul himself was persecuted. So I don't know which part of the Bible they hold on to. I mean, I know. They only read part of the story, right? Pick and choose the verses they want to believe and have faith in. Don't get me wrong, please. God wants to bless us. God wants to prosper us. That's not, that is true. Because he's more than able to take care of us, but he wants to do it in his way and in his time. So please remember, just because you're a Christian, it doesn't spare you from going through tough times in your life. Even as believers, we will face trials, persecution, but what we got to do is hold on to God. Hold on to God. And I want us to remember the first thing. From the promise, hold on to that promise. But from the promise to the fulfillment, remember the first truth is there will always, almost always be a period of waiting. But don't quit during that time. Amen. Number two, I want you to remember that during this period of mating, waiting, God is with you Amen. during this period of waiting. I said mating. I don't know why, but you gotta learn to laugh at yourself sometimes. 
But God gives you a promise. There is going to be fulfillment. God will fulfill it. But there's going to be a time and a period of waiting. But you got to remember that God is with you in that period of waiting. Because the devil's going to challenge you to drive that point out. But you have got to remind yourself as you read his word that God is with you in those dark times. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of Christian living. That's the beauty of, that's the hope in following Christ. That even though life throws this curveball at me, even though life throws all this junk at me, and I'm living a, a, a season of dark, that dark valley, I still have this hope that God is with me in the middle of that. That's what we got to remember. That's the truth. That even when things go from bad to worse in this period of waiting, God is always with me. God is always with me. Look at Joseph's life again. He's languishing, if you want to say that. Languishing in prison. And, you know, and the most normal thing for him uh, to say is, God, what's happening? God, what's happening? Where are you? Why is this happening to me? You promised this, God. Now, why is it not happening? And you read the story and you see that, you know, it feels like God doesn't really care. I mean, we know the ending. We have the privilege of knowing the ending. But going through it, I'm sure Joseph asked the question, God, do you really even care about me? God, where are you, God, in the middle of all this? This does not make sense. You gave me this promise, but now my mother, who my mother is, is dead. My dad is not being a real dad. My brothers hate me, and now I'm a slave. And when I'm doing everything right, I get falsely accused, and now I'm thrown back in prison. God, what's the point of me following you? I know I've asked that question a number of times in my own life. I'll be honest. And I know most of us, a lot of us, Sometimes we hit a situation and we ask that same question. God, what's the point of me serving you? It's just a normal reaction though, church. Please understand that part. God, where are you in the middle of this? What's the point of me believing in you? And I'm sure Joseph had the same questions. And if you turn to chapter 39, verse 1, 2, and 3, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And then this part, it says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, said again, the Lord was with him. And the Lord gave him success in everything he did. I know it might shock you when you read that part. Because it sure seems like God had abandoned. God has abandoned Joseph. God is off track from the promise, right? But it says God was with him. And of course, the normal question, if God is with him, why is he still struggling? Why is he still going through these crazy situations? And then verse 39, drop down to verse 20 and 21. It says Joseph's master, God was with him. He puts him in a position, you know, uh, of prominence, basically. Then verse 20 says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison because he's been falsely uh, accused. 
the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, again, verse 21, it says again, what? The Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden too. This time you might be like Joseph thinking, God, every time I'm with you, every time rather, every time that you are with me, something bad happens. I always joke about this, you know, God, go be with someone else. And I'm sure, and I know I have talked to many people who've said this same thing to me. Ever since I have been following, uh, following the Lord, following Christ, my life has really been a nightmare. And I promise you, all the re devil really does is he wants you to start thinking about the problem and not on the promise. That's what he wants to do with you. He tries to create this, this discontentment where you begin to question the goodness of God itself. You begin to question the goodness of God. And the truth is that, that started all the way back in the beginning. If you look at the Garden of Eden too. Okay, there were a thousand trees they could eat from. But what did the devil point out? That one tree that they couldn't eat from. And he gets them to think that God is being mean to them. God, you are holding back from us. When they had a thousand things that they could do, the devil made them focus on the one thing they couldn't have. And because of that, they fell. How many times does the devil do the same thing in our lives? When we are going through a hard situation, we forget to count all the blessings that God has given us and we focus on that one thing that we don't have and the one thing that we think will give us contentment and happiness and everything else. When God has blessed us throughout. Sometimes we measure, please don't make this mistake of measuring the blessings of God with physical, tangible stuff. God's presence is with you and that makes a difference in your life. The number of times, I mean, it doesn't always have to play out the way you think it's going to be. The devil is always going to make you question God's goodness. Ever since I've been coming to church, and I've, I'm telling you, this happens time and time again, where people come to me and tell me this. Ever since I've been coming to church, you know, ever since I started praying, ever since I started reading my Bible, ever since I started tithing, something bad has happened in my life. What do you want me to do? What should I do? Just remember, God is with you. That's it. God is with you. I know it sounds silly, but... This is the way he acts. He makes us question God, whether he is really with us. What's the point? Brings doubt. I mean, Joseph, you look at his story, he could have easily said, why? God, if you are with me, why am I separated from my father who loves me? Or why am I separated from my family? Why am I being sold into slavery and then accused, falsely accused, and now thrown back in prison? Why is all this happening? And so he thought about that. But the truth is this, he had to remind himself time and time again that God was with him. That's the only way he could make it through. Normal reaction, things sometimes, and like I said, things sometimes will go from bad to worse. But God will never abandon, God will never abandon you. He did not forget Joseph, he'll never forget you. You know, it's easy. 
I'd really, I say this sincerely too. It's easy to see God in the good things. It's easy to see God when things are going great. But when things get hard, please fight the temptation to turn your back on God. See, he's not the cause. God will never cause the problem in your life. Life happens. Life happens. And I just talked, this is fresh in my mind because this is what I talked about on, on, with my family last week. When my cousin, I mean, I spoke at the funeral, but also just talking to some of my family. 25 years old, died in a wreck, and no one is to be blamed. No one understands why. Total freak accident. And I just had to tell them, you know, bad things happen to people. That's it. I can't, and I don't have an answer as to why the only child, this child had been waiting for. I don't answer why, but because we live in a fallen world, please understand, as long as we live in this world, we will always, always have the effects of the fallenness. I mean, they will affect us. Somehow or the other. Bad things will happen because God gave people free will. And they use free will or abuse free will. We do the same thing. We use our free will for bad stuff, make bad decisions too. And bad decisions will always hurt people. God isn't going to go away and take away free will. I mean, it's more complicated than this. And just simplifying that whole answer right there. But innocent people will always be affected by bad decisions. Bad things happen. To good people, God, God is not the cause of the bad things. Please understand that. He's not. Yeah, the devil is real and the devil messes with us. Yes. But God is not the cause. Please remember through the chaos, through that unexpected situation, through that time when things go from bad to worse, when you're treated unfairly, falsely accused, when your own family turns against you, please remember God is with you. God is with you. That's his promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's his promise. God was with Joseph even though his family was a total disaster. God was with Joseph when his brothers tried to kill him. God was with Joseph when they sold him as a slave and he started working in Potiphar's house. God was with Joseph when he was falsely accused and thrown back into prison. God was with Joseph even when the cupbearer, and we'll get to that pretty soon, forgot him. God was with Joseph. God is and will always be with you to fulfill his promise. Number three. Truth number one is there's always going to be a period of waiting. Truth number two is this, that God is with you. That's his promise. He is with you. Number three, you need to be faithful during that time of waiting. You need to be faithful during those dark and deep valleys in your life, you need to be faithful through that. When things around you seem, and you just feel helpless and everything around you seems to be a disaster, challenge you to be faithful. Challenge you to be faithful. Broke it down into three main parts here. Be faithful when things don't go the way you need them to go. Be faithful when things don't go, I mean, are far from ideal. Things don't go as planned or as you envisioned them to go. Be faithful when it's not turning out the way you think it's supposed to turn out. Again, it's a challenge and uh, it's, it's a challenge to be faithful in those times. And I want to encourage you to be faithful 
when things don't go the way you seem uh, you need them to go. Joseph was in prison. He could have easily thrown up his hands and quit, kind of like, God, if this is, this is nowhere close to where, my, my, where I think or where I thought this promise was going to take me. He could have easily given up. But you realize, we just read that portion in chapter 39, verse 3, when the master, of the, of, uh, the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Remember, people notice when God is with you. Verse number 6, it says, So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now think about this. Joseph was in charge. He didn't care about anything. The first instinct for a lot of us is to what? Run away. Let me just go back home. Did Joseph even try to do that? The Bible never says he does. He wasn't trying to run away. He wasn't trying to come up with a scheme to escape and go back home, try and escape the situation he was. And what he did do was make the most of the situation around him by being faithful to God in that tough situation. Faithful to God. Think about it, church. It's in that crisis. It's in that time when you feel like it's not going the way you want it to go. That's when you need to be faithful, really. Challenge. That's the challenge. Can you be, be faithful when things don't work out the way I want it to work out? Always, I always use this example, and I, I use teenage kids as the best example when they when they want to go out and you say no you can't go out hang out with your friends and they just of course parrot and whine and they go back up to their room and then you pull, you go around you know after a little time you give them time to come and you go in and you say hey the room looks like a mess so hey do you mind cleaning not do you mind it's like hey get your room clean or whatever however you say and you tell them hey clean your room up what do you think they're going to look at you and say? What, they won't say anything, but you know, the expression tells you a lot. You didn't let me go out with my friends and now you want me to clean my own room. I know it's a silly, but that's exactly what we do with God because we don't get what we want. We don't get what we want, but we don't stay faithful to doing what we are called to do in the first place. Be faithful even when things don't turn out the way you think they're supposed to turn out. Be faithful. I know it's simple, but we know we do the same thing. We drag our feet and whine about it to God because I wanted it to go this way, God, and you're still telling me to be faithful now? Yes, it's simple. That's the challenge of faith. Be faithful. Number two, part of this is during this period, being faithful. Be faithful even if you have to endure pain and suffering during this waiting period. Be faithful. Through the pain, through the suffering. I know it's, it's easy to talk about and easy to preach about. But when someone else or you yourself are going through pain and suffering and someone you love is going through a hard time, it really challenges our faith. Again, it's something that hit me and challenged me. Again, I, I'm sorry if I'm using this example too much, but it hit me again last week. When I'm speaking about it, you know, just, I just can't explain, you know, but all I could do is encourage to keep pressing on. Keep pressing on, even without this pain and suffering. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. I encourage you through the pain, stay faithful. 
Joseph could have easily, again, like I said, again, he could have easily given up because this was rough. He could have easily, easily given up. I've been doing my best and, you know, all this while, but I'm tired and worn out because this just hurts too much, God. I know a number of people have been hurt by life or been hurt by the church, unfortunately, and just been hurt and they've quit. I know a number of people who've given up because they hurt. They've been hurt. You won't believe church. Be honest. It is easy. I've got to be honest. It is easy to quit on God when it hurts. Because I know a number of people who've done that. You know, it's just they quit reading the Bible. They quit praying. They quit going to church. And ultimately, they quit believing in God himself. But I encourage you to be faithful through the pain. Don't quit on God just because of the pain and suffering. Do not quit on God. And again, I'll be, yeah, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yes, I'll be honest. I don't understand the pain. I will never understand what you are going through. I know there's a God who understands, and you got to hold on to him. That's it. Hold on to God. I can't explain the pain, but all I can encourage you to do is hold on to God. Be faithful through, through the pain. And honestly, that's, that is the hope that really keeps us going, keeps me going. Though I don't understand, I still trust him. Though I don't understand, I still trust him. Because the Bible is full of people who stuck with God even through the pain and the suffering. Stuck with God. Look at Joseph's story again. 13 years to 15 years before the promise was fulfilled. Part C, when you hold on to God, be faithful. Be faithful when your life seems to be going nowhere. And that's a really hard part, really. When things around you are not going the way you want it to go and when you're being faithful in the pain and in the suffering, but even in spite of that, your life seems to be going nowhere. Be faithful in that time too. I mean, Joseph, we know this part and I'm not going to read the scripture, but the story, the Bible tells us that while he's in prison now again, there's these two people who have, a, they all have dreams. Both of them have a dream. And he interprets it, the baker and the cupbearer. And of course, the cupbearer's dream comes true. And all Joseph says is, you know what? Hey, when you are restored to your position, just remember me. Talk to the king about me. You know, give me a break kind of thing. Just simple request. Hey, just mention me to the king when you are restored to that position. But chapter 40, verse 23, it says this. The chief cupbearer, cup bearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. 41 verse 1, it says, when two years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. And of course, you know, God didn't forget him. It took time. How many of you get frustrated when you help people out, but then when you have a need, they're nowhere to be found? We all, we all have these expectations, you know. We get hurt by that too. But it's hard to remain faithful when things like that happen, right? It's hard to be faithful when you don't see the results of what you've invested in and you don't see anything come back. It's hard to be faithful. God, I've been praying for the situation, but nothing seems to be happening. Just spoke to someone on Tuesday. He's talking about we've been challenging. I've been challenging him on the tithe. And most of you know what the tithe is. 
challenging. He says, I've been, I've been tithing for the past three months and nothing's happened. I'm like, hey, be faithful. There's always a period of waiting. God, trust God through it. When it doesn't make sense, when you pray and pray and pray and seek God and all that seems to do, your prayer just goes up, hits these rafters and comes back down. When you're stuck and you've done everything right and you've been trying to do everything right and you've stayed faithful but nothing seems to be happening, I encourage you again, keep holding on. Keep trusting. Keep being faithful to this. Keep being faithful to God. I always use this example again of, well, I, I think about it this way, about Joseph. Whenever I read Joseph's story in the cupbearer, I think about two, two people who are stuck in a, in, a, in a pit or a well or something. But they've decided they have to work together to get out of that pit. So one guy stands on another guy's shoulders and he gets out of the, out of the pit. And the guy at the bottom, natural reaction is, okay, he's going to go reach down and now he's going to pull me up. But that guy who gets on top, he just goes, disappears. He's nowhere to be found. Now, what does the guy in the pit think first? He says, okay, maybe he's gone out to go get help. You know, and so he's waiting. And he waits, okay, maybe he's gone out to go find some rope or something, to get a ladder or something. And he holds on and holds on and holds on. And that's the image that comes to my mind when I think about Joseph waiting for this cupbearer to say something. The point is, when you hope in man, they will disappoint you at some point or the other. That's when you got hope in God and his promise. Hold on to God when you're just stuck in that place and there's black walls all around you. You can't see anything. You can't see any direction. There's nothing going on in your life. Trust and be faithful in God that he still can and will fulfill his promise that he gave you. God is faithful. I have no doubt Joseph was praying, God, get me out of this place. God, let that cupbearer remember. God, you know I'm innocent. God, you know I don't, I've not done anything to deserve this. I'm sure Joseph was praying that every day. But he kept holding on to God's promise because that's what seems to make the difference because nothing else seemed to be happening. Nothing else seemed to be happening. You've got to realize this church every single day. There's a choice that we get to make. The choice is whether we're going to be influenced by the situation around us or are we going to stay influenced by what God says. Because Joseph could have easily given up because if he was influenced by the situation he was in, but he chose to be influenced by God's word and his promise. Every single day you and I have that same choice to make. Now does that guarantee that you'll get out of that situation immediately? No. But I promise you, you stay faithful, God will come through for you. You stay faithful, God will come through for you. You know, we can't make decisions based on only the situation and how we feel. Please understand, feelings will mislead you so often. The word of God will not lead you in a wrong place. Stay faithful. Don't go running after just a feeling. Stay faithful to the truth in God's word. Stay faithful. I mean, we don't like to stay faithful. Uh, we don't. Th- patience, it's just about patience. We hate it. I was reading this year, the be- beginning of this year, America credit card debt is $800 billion. $800 billion. That's basically people who don't, have, who don't want to wait to get something, you know. 
They got to get something right now and they use that stupid plastic card. Feels like they trust that plastic card to get them out of the situation more than they trust God. There's a reason. Stay faithful. Don't try and take shortcuts out of the pit. Please don't try and take shortcuts out of the pit. Learn to trust God in the middle of that season. Think about Joseph. He had no Bible, no Ten Commandments, no church, no fellowship group as such, no small group, nothing. But he stayed faithful because he knew his God and he held on to the promise. Number four, and I got to finish with this. Your faithfulness to God will be rewarded. It will be rewarded. Now, my reward is going to be different from your reward. But when you are faithful, I have no clue what it looks like to your life. But I want you to, I want you to know that God is faithful to fulfill his promise. God is faithful to fulfill his promise. Though your whole world is turned upside down while you are waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, God just comes through in a way and no one can deny that God's hand has been upon your life for your whole time. But it only happens when you are faithful too. Yes, God in his grace and his mercy, he still rewards us, yes. But like I said in the beginning, God will reward faithfulness faithfulness is just your obedience to what he says in his word even though it doesn't make sense stay faithful to god while you are waiting 13 years in slavery and these two years when this cupbearer basically forgot about him so that's almost 13 to 15 years totally but let's read the last part in in chapter 41 <clears throat> verses 14 onwards we're going to pick pick and choose some verses there because Pharaoh, two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And of course, the cupbearer suddenly remembers, oh, there's this guy, Joseph, this, who, this Hebrew who basically uh, doesn't, who, who interpreted my dream. And so what does Pharaoh do? Verse 14, it says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you, uh, of you, that when you're, that, sorry. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph says in verse 16, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I wonder how many of us, even though we are going through a hard time, there was no guarantee that Pharaoh was going to bring him back. Or Pharaoh was going to throw him back. Yeah, he might interpret the dream, but is Pharaoh going to throw him back in the dungeon again? He didn't know what was going to happen. But even though he did not know, there was this uncertainty. He still pointed hands to, I mean, his whatever direction to whom? To God. He still gave glory to God in spite of the situation he was in. In spite of not knowing what was going to happen after that. He still directed Pharaoh to whom? To God. He could have easily said, you know what, if I say that I can interpret a dream, then the king will keep me around because it's me. Have you ever thought about it that way? He could have easily done that. You know what, I, yeah, I can. That's my way. This is my ticket out from here. But he did not have any guarantee of that sort. He still said what? You know, Pharaoh, I can't, but God can. God rewards faithfulness. That is faithfulness right there. And we know what happened. He goes ahead and, and he does this. And then verse 38, he says, when we 
Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And so Pharaoh, verse 41, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot as a second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. That principle we hear in the Bible that when you lift him up, he draws people. Humble yourself. What? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. That principle right here. Joseph didn't take any credit for himself. God can. And when he gave glory to God, stayed faithful to God, directed people's attention back to God, even though his situation was not guaranteed, then God gave him the victory. That's when God rewarded him. God rewards faithfulness. God had never forgotten Joseph. He never forgot Joseph's faithfulness either. He rewarded his faithfulness. You got to realize that the end, at the end of it all, if you turn with me to Genesis 50, 20. I love the way Joseph ties all this together. He tells his brothers, verse 20, 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. At the end, he saw that he had to go through what he went through so that God could accomplish God's bigger purpose. It's not about us and our purpose at all. It's always about God and his big plan. You are not. Please don't get so caught up that it's all about you and what I want to accomplish right now. You are just a small dart. I am just a small dart in God's big plan. But I'm willing to stay faithful and do my part, whether it be on the mountaintop or in the valley, if I stay faithful. I need to stay faithful. God is going to accomplish the plan regardless of me or not. But we miss out on the blessings of God when we don't stay faithful. Bow your heads with me at this time. When Joseph was on the other side, and again, let me be honest here. The other side may not always be in this earthly lifetime. When he was on the other side, he understood why he went through all he had to go through. You got to remember this here because God would have saved the nation of Israel whether Joseph had stayed faithful or not. God would have saved them. That was his plan all along. But Joseph was rewarded in the middle of that big story. Joseph stayed faithful 
and he enjoyed the blessings of God. At the end, he enjoyed the blessings of God because he understood it wasn't about him. It was all about God. He held on to God. Held on to that promise. I want to challenge you, church, and hear my heart through this too. Because I know some of us are going through a real tough time. Life is real. Situations are real. When I get out from here, I've still got to face what's going to happen tomorrow at work. I've got to still face my family. I've still got to face the situations that seem so, uh, I mean, helpless. You may not know and you, you probably don't understand why things are happening the way they are happening. And, and honestly, you may be having these doubts that the devil may be throwing into your minds as such too. Man, God gave you a promise. Where is it? I don't see it. Ever since I followed Christ and taken that step of faith, my life has just been a disaster basically. Ever since I decided to take a stand for God in the workplace, now everybody else shuns me. Ever since I started paying my tithes, see, everything else has gone down from there. Ever since I started following God, everything, my own family has disowned me. That's reality. Don't be surprised by that. Please don't be surprised by that at all. Hold on to God. Encourage you. Hold on to Him. Hold on to that promise. God is calling us, church, to be faithful. There will always be this time of waiting. There will always be this time of waiting. But be encouraged by the life of so many before us. Moses, Abraham. David, Joseph, who in the midst of it all still did not quit on God. Trust me.